Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Unheralded prospect goes to Harvard. Struggles to catch on with an NBA team. Has no place to stay. Is sleeping on a couch. I'm not even a Knicks fan. It was just an awesome sports story. They made some very specific decisions, and I think that they were all right. Welcome to the big stream. I'm Kyle Coster. I'm here with Stephen Douglas. We're going to talk about a documentary, a unique documentary in the sense that it's only 38 minutes long. It's very manageable, chronicling Jeremy Lin and the season of Linsanity, which took place during 2011-2012. He was then a member of the New York Knicks. It's looking back at his rise, and then it also dives into some larger societal issues from the perspective of what it's like to be Asian-American in this country. And I thought, just big picture thoughts here, Stephen, that it was really good. And I thought it was different enough from a lot of the stuff that I've seen where we get so many of these bloated stories in the era of streaming where it's six episodes and it could have been three. There's virtually no fat in this. It could have gone a little deeper on some issues, but I really liked how manageable and digestible it was. And it wasn't making the story anything bigger or larger than it was. It was this huge touchstone moment and it it gripped the world. I just found it to be really enjoyable and accomplished the goals that it set out to accomplish. Yeah, uh, I had not heard of it. I I don't think I heard anything about it. I just was looking for something to watch last night and I hit HBO Max and there's a Jeremy Lin documentary and it's 38 at the garden. And I don't know, it must have been intentional. The movie was 38 minutes long. Uh, Like you said, it was digestible. I I mean, I think they could have squeezed, like doubled the length. I would have listened to more teammates, uh, more opponents. Uh, it would have been pretty interesting to get like get somebody from the Lakers in there to talk. But I mean, I, I think they made a very conscious effort to uh, keep it a uh, very Asian American centric uh, documentary and really feature Asian American voices. And it was it was really good. Uh, it was. And then at the end, it was kind of like three quarters of the way f- uh, through, they kind of got more serious and, you know, put it back into the perspective, like Lynn Sandy into the perspective of like what it was like for Asians in during the pandemic. And I mean, even that was that was a very short part, but it, it was very impactful, I thought. I totally agree. The story is what it is, and we all know it, this unheralded prospect goes to Harvard struggles to catch on with an NBA team has no place to stay is sleeping on a couch like so many people in New York City I was in New York City when this happened and I was in media and I remember just the energy of 
the Knicks in that moment. And it seemed unbelievable as he came in the game and immediately dominated and dominated in a way that was so unexpected. But by the end, he's waving people off. He's going head to head with Kobe. The title comes from the 38 points he scored against the Lakers at the height of this run. And I thought that aspect was really cool to hear from some of his teammates at the time. I thought in particular, Tyson Chandler was really interesting in that he said, look, I didn't even know who this guy was when he walked by me to join the team. And you go from that to basically being, if not the most famous athlete in the world, certainly the one that everybody has talked about. It's this rise that we rarely ever see in football. I can't remember the last time that it happened in baseball. You'll come in and you'll get someone who dominates for a short period of time, but that obviously doesn't have the capital that the NBA does. And it was really straightforward in the sense like he slept on Landry Fields couch and the couch was four feet long. And Jeremy talked about it, having his head over one side and his legs handing off the others. And the thing I like about Lynn, especially when it comes to his basketball revelations is they're so matter of fact, he just simply gives his story. He doesn't try to make himself to be a hero. He really contextualizes it in what it would be like in human form if you were thrust into this scenario where you never expected to be and he's so likable in the whole thing and when you look back in retrospect we didn't really understand what that was doing for him we never appreciate the challenge and the weight that you carry on your shoulders when you're thrust into the center of that spotlight but he handled himself so well and has continued to handle himself so well in the aftermath yeah i mean when when sanity happened it was just it was all encompassing. It was just so huge. I mean, it, every single day was just like a different story about, you know, I mean, when he's sleeping on the couch and then he's dropping, scoring all these points and like that buzzer beater against the Raptors uh, was just like, it's hard. It's hard to describe. I mean, the doc, there's so much that the documentary, they could have spent so much more time just like interviewing hundreds of people just go, just first of all saying, I had no idea who Jeremy Lin was. I didn't believe he was a basketball player. And then just talking about how insane it was to live through that. And then his, the story of his rise, like from being on the California player of the year to like not getting any scholarship offers. And I mean, I would have watched another 20 minutes of his high school highlights, more Harvard stuff. And just, and of course, Joe Lake gets to uh, have credit as being like this genius again. He's like, well, he saw it in Jeremy Lin, even if, uh, even if the Warriors didn't end up keeping him. And then there's the whole part of like, which I think that it kind of got ignored where, or Amon Shumpert was awesome too in this, you know, the fact that this is like the Carmelo Anthony era uh, Knicks. And it's like Jeremy Lin just, just grabs all this attention and takes control of the team also, the fact that he played nine years in the NBA and he finally won that championship with the Raptors uh, a couple of years ago. And I had forgotten most of like, I, you look at his uh, basketball reference page and it's like he was a double digit scorer throughout his career when he was able to get on the court. I mean, he's just had so many injury problems, but you remember him on the Knicks and then getting the, uh, 
he got like one of those poison pill contracts from the Rockets and he just never really got another chance to uh, really shine in the NBA, but he was a good player throughout. Like the, it wasn't really, there was nothing fluky about it. He just was healthy at the time and young and then just was not able to sustain it, unfortunately. But like that high is, I mean, I'll never forget Lynn Sandy. And I, I think this is, this doc does a great job of, you know, it's going to try and explain this to people that were too young. You're right. It's it's like a, a well done, pretty thorough Wikipedia. And I think through that yeah. lens, like I would watch this length doc on pretty much anything. Like I don't want to invest three times the amount of time I'm sitting in front of my television. If I can just get it like this, I thought it was really nice and you get a full picture of it. The most interesting thing that they do obviously is the choice to have so many interviews and to turn the focus so much on what it's like to grow up Asian American and what it's like to be perceived as not being aggressive and not being a leader and all these stereotypes and the interviews that they were able to get with Ronnie Chang and Hassan Minaj, who was absolutely fantastic and, and so thoughtful in his commentary and Pablo Torre, who went through the whole thing, I think, without mentioning, went to Harvard, which is a record for him. And Jenny <laughs> Yang and Lisa Ling. It was like, you know, we're two white guys sitting here and discussing it. So we understand the folly of that. But I think that we so underappreciate the challenges that that group faces and how it's so ingrained in society. And even how I think growing up, some of the perceptions that I had growing up in a conservative era that I am like not proud of and I didn't even realize were biases and I think that story never ever ever gets told and when it's told it's marginalized and pushed to the side and I just was met with this profound sense of sadness that people have to deal with this shit and still have to deal with this shit and it's only gotten worse we know that the pandemic exacerbated some of the things but you see the headlines out there like every day and they're just awful I just the baggage that people have to carry that you don't appreciate, that you don't contextualize when you're thinking about them as full and complete human beings is startling and jarring when you hear it. And then you also hear about how sometimes the upbringing can mean that you're not supposed to take chances and you're not supposed to dream of being in the NBA. So all these factors that are going against and we're going against Jeremy Lin and then he rose to this occasion to hear it in the voices of the people who have that shared experience about what an inspiration he was and what it really meant for them, for him to rise to that level and be the center of the sports world. Like it's certainly not anything that I appreciated in the time because it didn't mean as much to me personally. I lived through and enjoyed and got excited about Linsanity and I'm just a white guy and I'm not even a Knicks fan. It was just an awesome sports story, you know, uh, divorced of like who Jeremy Lin was. And then just to see how much it meant to the Asian American population. I mean, it, it's inspiring. And then I can't imagine what it would be like to live through that as someone who has like a personal connection like that to, to uh to see someone that looks like you be able to su succeed in something that you you know you weren't supposed to that added element just gave it this uh, uh so much everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Motion, like, you're, you're sitting there and just enjoying, you know, thinking back to, like, how, how uh, exciting these games were. And then you get to that part towards the end. And it's like, I mean, that that's heartbreaking, you know, to see that people have to go through that. Uh, it's just, you know, I mean, we're very lucky that we don't have to deal with that. And it, I, I feel horrible for anyone that does have to deal with that. It's just so cool when there's somebody like Jeremy Lin who is able to like inspire an entire people. You talked about the importance of seeing someone who looks like you who has a similar background as you succeeding, and that's representation. And that's why it pisses me off to no end when people fight against representation as if it doesn't matter. Because when you actually speak to human beings and you see the joy that was in Hassan's face when he was recalling it, you know, he was making videos in the time and talking about how all his friends were texting him, especially on the wave off. Uh, for the game-winning basket, because that was being assertive. That was taking control. That was not deferring to others. It was breaking all these misconceptions. It was like this huge moment for them. I just struggle so hard with how people can be so myopic and small-minded that when people tell you that it's important because they've been affected by it and it's bettered their lives and it's been a positive experience in their lives, to have that dismissed and pushed to the side is just so shitty and I think that what this piece does so well is that it puts a human face on that representation, which a lot of times we don't really see. And while it does that, it's also entertaining. Yeah. I mean, just look at all the headlines that we have these days about people complaining about like the race of actors and like in these fantasy series. I mean, it's, it's just insane that people have a problem with this when it doesn't, it doesn't affect anyone negatively. And all it does is affect some people positively. And, you know, it's it's like the RGB thing where it's like, oh, well, you know, just finding this, women find this inspiration, like seeing this, I mean, for lack of a better term, like a girl boss or something. It's just sad. I mean, that people go through their lives uh, being thinking they're being wrong when someone else is being righted. I think that what this shows, there's room, you know, when, when someone has success, it doesn't, it doesn't diminish the success or the power of other people necessarily. It's all a perceptive or perception and a narrative. And you want to talk about that loaded Knicks team that he was on with superstars. They embraced this. There wasn't friction in the locker room. It was more like, holy crap, can you believe what this guy's doing? Like he was end of the bench. They'd never seen him dunk. It was kind of just like seeing, uh, like in Teen Wolf, when he transforms and he's dominating out there, it was so shocking and exciting and exhilarating, and it took over. Now, I've heard Jeremy speak on other podcasts he did when he was promoting this about how he didn't like the Linsanity label, um, and it was uncomfortable for him. He just wanted to be Jeremy. But I think that I'm happy that he's able now, 10 years later, to sit back and reflect on it and talk about what it means to him because he obviously is someone who's very intelligent and in tune with his emotions. And he seemed to be in a really good place when they spoke to him. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like everything he accomplished in his life, every single step was like an amazing accomplishment for like anyone. I mean, winning a high school championship, being the California player of the year, going to Harvard, just going to Harvard, uh, playing basketball at a D1 level, getting into the NBA at all, getting on a roster at all. And then to have this opportunity, I mean, he he should feel like super proud and and be so happy that he got to experience all that. And yeah, I I hope he it seems like he's able to uh, enjoy or just appreciate, you know, what he meant to a lot of people and uh, all that he accomplished in his life. I mean, it's just it's just an awesome story. And like I said, like it's just a great job like very effectively uh bringing that all home i think what makes this particular story so interesting is that it's one of the very few real world examples i can think of of the underdog rising to the occasion in an actual sports like we know that it's the cinderella story and every single fictionalized movie that you've ever seen and we know that this playbook and maybe rudy is at the top of that genre but rudy made one sack okay like it was a great story for him to just get in the game what lynn did was like if rudy had gone in and got four sacks in a game and preserved the win against georgia tech with a key fumble recovery it's like he rose so far above what would be the barrier for success? Like if this was a fictionalized movie, maybe it ends with him stepping on the court for the Knicks in garbage time and realizing that dream. But instead what happened in real life is he elevated himself to where Kobe was being asked about him, uh, diminishing his accomplishments. And then he goes out there and he sticks it in Kobe's face. Like that's unbelievable. Just from like a pure visceral sense. Like if they did such a good job setting that up uh, and, and talking about what that night was because that was the apex and you get that Hollywood ending, even though his career never reached the same level, that was it for him. And you kind of got that happy ending in, in actual life. Yeah. I don't think underdog is the right term for Jeremy Lin. Uh, like Rudy, Rudy's an underdog. Rudy's Rudy has to work for everything. And he, it wasn't like, Rudy should have been on a D1 uh, college football team. He shouldn't. He it wasn't like people were not giving him scholarships when and being nobody nobody's hears about Rudy and they're like, well, Georgia Tech really messed up by not going and getting Rudy. I mean, these these teams, these schools all messed up by not going after Jeremy Lin. And, I mean, there should be some other term for like not an underdog, just no, I mean, it's not even nobody believes in you it's it's nobody believes in you because of whatever reason um and for him it was because he was asian american you know and i don't know it's to compare him to like a classic underdog story is it really uh it's it's unfair to how good he was yeah, that's no, that's that's a that's a fair take. Um, you know, I I just it's it maybe maybe it's speaking more to like just the pure uniqueness of this story because you know oh, yeah. like with other people maybe it's just you know like when a Spurs bench player Patty Mills for example turns into the best NBA player 
for two weeks. It's not really this news cycle. It's not wrapped up in, in all this. Uh, the last thing I would say I like what I like best about this film was that the interview selection was amazing. And every single person who chimed in added value. There was no fat. There was no like redoubling of efforts to tell the same story twice. And they were all able to present their perception and their experience of the Lynn sanity period through their own eyes. So I thought like, again, it goes back to editing super tight. Everything had value, like one of the more efficient things that you'll ever see. Yeah. It's like, I, I just watched the uh, redeem team documentary on Netflix and I've been thinking about it for like two days and I'm not sure if it was too long or too short. I'm, I'm not sure if it should have been like a series or if it, even deserved to have a documentary about it but it's like this the the linsanity documentary three at the garden it's like this is this is a story that needs to be told and they did it perfectly like like i said they i would have watched this if it was twice as long but you know they probably they made some very specific decisions and i think that they were all right like you said every interview was just perfect adding just what it needed it kept moving as just a, a really it was just really well done from start to finish no surprise here when it comes to ratings i'm gonna give this one six out of seven spike lees uh i thought it was really good again the biggest selling point i think is is just you can knock it out before bed i know that we both had the inclination to turn this on at about 11 30 and we're attracted to the runtime and it's exactly what you want so six out of seven spike lees for me I guess my only complaint would be there's probably some stuff on the cutting room floor that I would have liked to see. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would have liked to have heard a couple things from Spike Lee about this. I mean, he was there and he was there in the footage, you know, I mean, as like the number one Knicks fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously I think they left a, they left, they probably left a bunch that they, they probably could have called a lot more people and gotten a lot more. But uh, I mean, as far as the documentary goes, I mean, it was, it was perfect. It was just, you know, um, I, I would give it, I'd give it six out of six Spike Lee's um, instead of six out of seven. I'm taking one Spike Lee away from the rating system, but it, I mean, I, I can't imagine anyone not enjoying this documentary. And like I said, it was, it was a great story to experience and it was a lot of fun to relive it. And very interesting to see it from other perspectives. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the thing is when we get to any one of these sports docs, I'm always asking, okay, well, does someone who isn't, is someone who doesn't enjoy sports going to enjoy this? I think one we did previously on the show, the Manti Teo one, definitely you don't need to be a super big sports fan. My wife would like this one. Uh, you don't have to have that background. That is the big stream. I'm Kyle Coster. He's Stephen Douglas. Check out 38 at the Garden. It's on HBO Max. Cumulatively, 13 out of 14 Spike Lees from us.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.